Welcome in Home Court Press. This is the second podcast today. We're joined by McCade Pearson, Mr. Flint and Steele. How are you doing this afternoon, McCade? We're doing pretty good. Halfway this is our halftime show. Yeah, halfway through the restart, the Jazz 2-2 two and two right now. So what we want to do today is, before we talk about the Jazz 2 games coming up this weekend, tomorrow morning against the Spurs, and early Saturday afternoon against the Nuggets, we're halfway through the restart. Every team has either played three or four games at this point with the Clippers and Mavericks playing right now, playing their fourth game each. So we just want to go through every team involved in the restart. 60 seconds or less, McCade. We'll talk about each one. Let's start in the East at the top, the Milwaukee Bucks, 2-2. Two and two. So today, before we even get started, let me tell you a little bit about my life. Today's the first time I've had enough time to slow down and sit my butt on a couch in front of a TV and watch basketball that wasn't the Jazz. And I'm really glad I chose that Bucks heat game because, wow, the heat looked incredible in the first half. But we, we will get to them. The Bucks, huge comeback. They go down by, if not 20, almost 20 in the first half. And then end up blowing the heat out in the second half, winning by, I believe, 16. They've looked good, man. They've looked really good. Giannis is the MVP of the league, and he's been playing like it. Yeah, I'm the exact opposite of you. I'm between semesters right now. I'm between jobs right now. I broke my Xbox. So I think I've watched every team play except for the Kings. But yeah, the Bucks have looked really good. They are managing minutes really well. I mean, Giannis is only averaging 30 minutes beforehand anyway. He only played 15 minutes and a loss to the Nets a couple of games ago. They just, they're just clicking. They're just floating along, trying to pick up two or three more wins to clinch the number one overall seed. Not that it matters, obviously. But in the soccer world, it's a huge deal to finish the top of your table. You get a big-time trophy for that. And so the Bucks are coming against you doing that. And I think it's the right thing to say, hey, we had the best record in the NBA. So they'll win another game or two, but there's not much to talk about there. Am I wrong in thinking that with that victory this afternoon, the Bucks do clinch the one seed? I thought I heard the, the announcers say that. The, they do in the East. I think they need one more win to clinch over the league. The overall, the yeah, overall yeah, yeah. one seed. Okay. As I said, it doesn't matter at all, but that is a cool pride thing. It is, say, hey, definitely. We are the top of the third team going into the playoffs. I am Giannis, and I came out on top of LeBron. That's, yep. that's fun to say. All right, second in the East, the Toronto Raptors. This is a team that's finally healthy. They've struggled with injuries up and down their roster all season. And now that they're healthy, it's insane how deep this Raptors team is. They're 3-0 and so far in the bubble. Is this the best team in the NBA right now? I wouldn't go that far, but they're on a seven-game win streak. Their top seven players are both good offensively and defensively. That's awesome to have. Nick Nurse is going to win coach of the year. And they're just a defending title team in every sense of the word. Where I tweeted this out a couple days ago. They are going to be super, super hard to beat four times in seven games. They are not going to be a team that loses in five games. They're going to lose in six or seven. There's a chance they win the title. But when they do lose, it's going to be in probably seven games, maybe six. Yeah, this Raptors team is going to be really difficult. What about the Celtics? They're third in the East, two and two in the bubble. Uh, the biggest thing I, I come up with the Celtics that really gives a lot of question marks is the Kemba Walker injury. He's he got some, it sounds like it's arthritis in his knee. So not only right now in the bubble, but going forward, he just signed the max deal last offseason. That's really tough to see a kid like Kemba dealing with knee arthritis. Yeah, they got some stuff to figure out. Raptors have run away with the two seed. In fact, the Raptors are closer to the Bucks than they are the Celtics right now. Celtics need another win or two to stay above the heat and be that three seed. But, uh, man, that 76ers matchup, if 76ers stay in six, is not good for the Celtics. 
All right, the Heat. You mentioned them, and we just we talked about them a little bit with that Bucks game that I just finished watching. They're two and two in the bubble. They've beaten the Nuggets. They were giving the Bucks a run for their money today. I think they're they're shooting the ball really well. That's the thing I've been most impressed with Miami is their ball movement and ability to get open looks. Really impressive. They also beat the Celtics without Jimmy Butler playing in that game. So the Heat are a team that I don't think they're the best team in the league. I don't think they're the best team in the East. But if I was going to pick a dark horse, I might lean toward Miami right now. Yeah, and so they're a couple games behind Boston, a couple games ahead of Indiana. So they still need to win a game or two just to walk up that four seed, which keeps them playing and motivated. But they are resting Jimmy Butler. I think he hasn't played in two games now. And they're just really trying to get the flow so they can beat the Pacers, South 76ers, and then give the Bucks a run for their money. I, I think they do push the Bucks to either a really tough five games or maybe even six or seven. And now the Pacers. So I've got true surprise teams in the bubble so far. The Pacers are one of them. We'll talk about the other one later. Three and one so far. We had Demonis Sabonis. He suffers a foot injury during practice leading up to the restart. And now all of a sudden, T.J. Warren has become an all-star. Yeah, T.J. Warren, I don't think he has a shot in the bubble yet. Um, okay, extremely He scored like 140, 150 points in four games. Had that monster game against Philly to give him the edge for the five seed. Yeah, the the injuries are a concern with Indiana. Sabonis being hurt, and obviously Victor Oladipo after tearing a thigh muscle last year. He hasn't been <laughs> as consistent this year. So the, the Pacers hey, are an money. interesting team. Okay, now we move on to the sixth seed in the East, and this is a team that, frankly, you look at their roster, and they just have no excuse for being the sixth seed right now. They should be higher. The 76ers, 2-1 and one so far in the bubble. Two questions for you. One of them, less a question and more so just, man, this sucks. Ben Simmons, he dislocates his left kneecap yesterday. Pat Mahomes suffered this injury in in the NFL, I think it was week six this last year, and he missed about a month. I'd be really surprised to see Ben Simmons play again in the in the bubble or in the playoffs. So that's that's a, obviously a huge loss for the 76ers. Yeah, that's a weird injury. It can be fine tomorrow, or it could be a big concern. It came out three, four, five months, and into the 2021 calendar year, we'll have to see. But yeah, I wouldn't expect him to play for sure in the rest of the seeding games and probably the first round or two of the playoffs. Yeah. My other question about the Sixers, is Shake Milton real? The Sixers have a solid, weird little bench going on. They have some young pieces, uh, Bible there too, where they're showing promise of up-and-coming talent to make a good solid bench. Um, The Sixers are like the... Raptors in the sense that it's just going to be so hard to beat them four times in seven games. We saw it last year in the Raptors and Sixers matched up in the second round. Being up against Joe Embiid and probably not Ben Simmons, but still now Horford there now. When they just have such a physical big team, it's going to be physically and emotionally exhausting to play them for two weeks. So I expect them to put up a good fight, especially against Boston. But if Ben Simmons is out and if they don't figure out life, they're not going to be around to the end of the month. Could get difficult for the 76ers, and you wonder if Brett Brown is going to have a job after the bubble. think if anybody's on the hot seat in terms of coaching, it's probably Brett Brown. Let's move on to number seven in the East. All right, we're going quick right here, man. It gets pretty thin once we get past the 76ers. We got the Nets, two and two in the bubble. Karis LeVert's looked okay. I 
I got nothing else, man. This team isn't worth talking about. So they had that weird fluky win over the Bucks when like Giannis and Milton only played 15 minutes. And Jared Allen was resting, which is weird. And, like it was all everywhere, and I don't know what to make of it. Uh, 19 and a half point spread, I believe, biggest upset in like 30 years, 40 years. Um, but they beat the Wizards over the weekend, and that's just the game they needed to win. They won that. The Wizards are 0 and 4. Playoffs are wrapped up in the East. The Nets, Magic have another game. They already played once. They're going to play a second time coming up, I believe, to determine who's the seventh seed, who's the eighth seed. But it doesn't really matter who gets beat by the Bucks and who gets beat by the Raptors. So next up is those Magic you're talking about, 2-1 and one in the bubble. The story about the Magic has been injuries. Jonathan Isaac, of course, tears Brutal. his ACL in, I think it was their first game. And then last night, Aaron Gordon uh, suffered an injury to his hip. So... Jury's still out on it. Kyle Lowry play? Yes, that was the Kyle Lowry play, and, and Aaron Gordon was. Kyle Lowry said, "Hey, this is my room number. Come get me." Yo, I'm in room eight sixteen. I think it was something like that. No, the Magic got some stuff to figure out, and I irrationally love every Magic player, and I couldn't tell you why. I have a rational love for the Magic. They'll steal a game or two. They're floating along. Hope Aaron Gordon's all right. That's about it. I've got Kyle Lowry on my all-time dark alley team is what I like to call it. And that could go either way. If I'm walking down a dark alley, I want to have Kyle Lowry in my group. And if I'm walking down a dark alleyway and I see Kyle Lowry, I'm going to turn around. We might have come up with full teams there. (laughs) We we really might. You expand that to the whole sports universe, that could be a fun conversation. Rasheed Wallace, though, putting him on there. Anyway, we can move on. All right. And then the. We can skip the Wizards. (laughs) Last team here in the East, the Wizards. And they're 0 4. You already mentioned that. Rui Hachimura and Thomas Bryan are getting some good playing time. Um, I, I guess that's a good thing. I will say Thomas Bryant was terrible without Bradley Bill this year, and he's actually looked really good in the bubble without Bradley Bill. So uh, good for Thomas Bryant. Former Jazz pick, I believe, right? I I don't know. He, no, I lied. That was Josh Hart. Um, yes, Josh Hart was a Jazz On the back end there, the first round with uh, the Tony Bradley trade. Yes. Anyway, the Wizards are indeed in 10th place in the East. Yes, in 10th place because they are behind the Hornets now. Lottery odds are locked, so they have no motive to lose these last four games, but finishing behind the Hornets and the Hornets and getting by the bubble would be kind of sad, even if your roster is that bad. But it wouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> no. All right, let's move to the West, jump through this real quick. We're going to skip the Jazz because this is a Jazz podcast, and we'll talk about them at length after the break. So... Western Conference, top of the conference, the Lakers, 2-2 two and two so far in the bubble. They won the games they needed to to clinch first in the West. I don't think they really care about first overall. LeBron hasn't looked great. AD has. I think the, the Lakers are just going to go through the motions for the remaining four games before the playoffs start. Yeah, it's not going through the motions exactly. I think it looks like a minus 33, minus 35 so far in the playoffs, which isn't good. But I'm not going to freak out about LeBron struggling until they're down 2-0. So. Yeah. Clippers, one and two so far in the bubble. They've been missing Lou Williams. He came back earlier this week, I believe, on Tuesday. And they're playing right now. Clippers trailing the Mavericks, 58-57. This is a good Clippers team, but their depth is being tested right now. Lou Williams missed a few games because of his, you know, trip to get some chicken wings, I guess. Uh, Montrez Harold still hasn't played. And then Patrick Beverly, their all-defense guard, Strained the calf yesterday. We talked about it on the pod yesterday a little bit. Uh, Doc Rivers says it's not expected to be serious, but they're going to be careful with it. So 
again, this is a Clippers team that could fall as far as fourth, I believe, in the West. I don't expect them to do that, but I don't necessarily expect them to hold on to the two spot anymore either. They've got a few games, I don't want to say coming up, but you said they're playing the Mammoths right now, and if the Clippers, that was weird, because if the Clippers win that game, it pushes them up further into two, and it pushes the Mavericks playing down to seven, which kind of locks them up as playoff opponents. And if the Mavericks win that game, then it shoots everything to the seven, and things get dicey again. So almost how much of your cards do you want to show there? But the Clippers have had some struggles in this bubble. Uh, Phoenix worked. Uh, Devin Booker and Ricky Rubio both went off against them. Booker had that crazy game winner. Um, they had the loss to the Lakers on opening night. They're figuring out some stuff outside that blowout win against the Pelicans. The Clippers are a team that experienced a huge amount of roster turnover in the offseason, and they just haven't had a chance to get the entire lineup playing together. I, I wonder if there's going to be chemistry issues for them this season. And then you've got to worry after all they gave up to acquire Paul George, all the money that they gave to Kawhi Leonard, they can both opt out of their contracts after next season. So yeah, there's a scenario from, hey, in which the, cool. we have them both to, Hey, there's pressure. Yeah. Literally basically overnight here in about a month. Yeah. So the, the Clippers, I think need to be careful here. Uh, we'll move on next third in the West at the moment. The jazz opponent Saturday afternoon, the nuggets two and two in the bubble. They just haven't been healthy. They've been missing Jamal Murray. He's questionable for tonight's game. Gary Harris and Will Barton are still missing games. Paul Millsap is going to miss tonight's game against the Trailblazers for rest. This is a Nuggets team that I think is very comfortable with who they are, and I don't get the impression that they're very concerned who they match up with or what seed they end up with. I think they're confident that they can put a good a good showing together on the basketball court. Yeah, they're only half a game behind the Clippers, and they're going to have to figure out some stuff that when players get healthy, and not in the normal way, but... Michael Porter Jr. has looked really, really good for them. Yes. And you're going to bring back three main guards, and minutes are going to get squeezed, and it could piss off a few players. So hopefully there's not too much locker room drama there, but something to keep an eye on as playoff rotations shrink anyway, and the Nuggets have maybe one too many mouths to feed. Well, I think you, you mentioned the one that is, could be difficult there. It's Michael Porter Jr. Mike Malone has shown... Shown some trust in Michael Porter Jr. on the offensive end, but defensively there's been some question marks from Porter Jr. And so you wonder if if he's actually going to be a good rotation piece going forward for this season or if he's putting up numbers because the guys in front of him aren't available. Mike Malone had mentioned that he was upset Michael Porter Jr. didn't make Rising Stars game All-Star Weekend. He only played about 400 minutes before All-Star Weekend. So you just got to figure out some stuff there. One too many mouths to feed. Not a bad problem to have. You know, oh, we have too much talent. But it's a minor problem to have, and they're going to have to figure that out. Hey, it's a good problem to have if there's too much depth. So I would always rather that than the situation the Jazz are in with their bench right now. But let's move to the Thunder. Thunder have looked really good so far in the bubble. They're 2-1. and one. Dennis Schroeder is out right now, uh, attending to the birth of his child, so good for him. Congratulations, Dennis Schroeder. That's something that definitely affects the Thunder's depth. Their three-point guard lineup we've talked a lot about with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Chris Paul, and Dennis Schroeder. Uh, just athletically, this is a scary team. They blasted the Jazz in the second game of the, the restart, and I wouldn't want to face them right now. It took a Chris Paul miss free throw for them to actually get their only loss. Like, they should be 3 and all right now, they're playing crazy well. So, good for the Thunder. Dennis Schroeder should be back. 
for the playoffs. It sounds like they're aiming for that. I mean, obviously, he could come back right now. His baby's been born. He has to quarantine for four days. But it sounds like they're giving him the rest of the weekend, and that's going to come back four days before the playoffs start. I think that's perfectly reasonable. Let's talk about the Rockets now. This is a team I know you love. They're 2-1 and one in the <laughs> restart. My only question is, does anybody even remember that Eric Gordon hasn't been playing? I haven't heard his name mentioned once since he rolled his no, ankle. No, well, Jeff Green's playing so well for you. Don't even get me started on Jeff Green. <laughs> we'll bring Tony Jones on the podcast. I hope you're listening to Jeff Green. Love. <laughs> um, no, the Rockets are look good. No Russell Westbrook tonight, I believe, against the Lakers. Um, I don't know if they confirmed, though. It's just kind of rumored. Anyway, they're up and down. They're the Rockets. <laughs> We've talked about this for like three years now. We'll see how they do the rest of the month and into September. If you like three-point shots, the Rockets game against the Bucks the other day was exactly the game for you. The Bucks defense is geared toward, we're going to take away everything at the basket, we're going to let you shoot threes, and the Rockets offense says, all we want to do is shoot threes or get to the basket. But... If you're taking away the basket, fine. We'll shoot threes. 61 three-point attempts in that one game for the Rockets. Yeah. That's, that's a new era. Not the 90s, that's for sure. But walk to the Rockets. We got a lot of shooters. Uh, ben McElmore officially ended his perfect season at like 440 shots. At the end of, I believe, it was the first half, he hit a buzzer beater from like 14 feet. It was his first shot of the year outside the paint, but inside the three-point line. Oh, really? So, yeah, it was something, I think it was about 450 shots attempts this year before he took a mid-range shot. Wow. So more balls in full effect. Okay, now seventh seed in the West. This is a team that I really enjoy watching personally. I'm recording this Clippers-Mavericks game, and I'm going to go home and watch it along with some Chicago Cubs baseball. But Mavericks 1-2 and two in the bubble, and Luka Doncic is amazing. He had a triple-double. I don't even know what to say about Luka Doncic. He had, triple double, 30, 20, and 10. 30, 20, and 10, McCade. It's like Will Kareem Jokic. And uh, David Lee had a random game like that, too. <laughs> yeah, David Lee did. Didn't David Lee have a have a 50 and 20 game or something? David Lee had a lot of weird random games in the Golden State days. <laughs> yeah, he did. Now this... And then they got good and he got put to the bench and then one time. So good for David Lee. <laughs> right. But no, Luca's playing out of his mind. They've let a couple games slip away. Um, their offense has really struggled in the clutch the entire year. Luca looks a little out of shape. He's a little tired at the end, but he's playing so well the first 30, 44 minutes. He can live with the little play to shape the last four. Yeah. And now this is where the Western Conference gets just wild. We've got six teams vying for the eight spot. All of them are within the four games. The Grizzlies are in the eight spot right now, but they're 0-4 in the bubble. The other five teams... Are, two and a half? They're, yeah, they're all within two and a half games right now. So obviously within that four-game range to be able to force a play-in, the West is wild at the bottom. So the Grizzlies, 0-4, we don't have a lot to say about them. Jaron Jackson Jr., torn meniscus, it's terrible to see him missing the rest of the season. Tough, tough loss for the Grizzlies. And honestly, after coming into the restart as the eight seed, they might not even qualify for the play-in game. Yeah, it's... It's brutal. And all four or five teams below them are the Kings aren't playing well, but the other four teams below the Grizzlies are playing really, really well and have a very real chance to sneak up. As you said, not only to the nine, but to the eight. Yeah. Taking to the play in. We are going to get a play in. That's basically guaranteed at this point. So that's fun. 
I'm really looking forward to that because I think that's a nice little prize at the at the bottom of the standings that the NBA could use moving forward. I would like to see it personally. So Trailblazers right now, they sit at ninth, two and one. They've got a healthy front court after struggling with injuries all season. Yusuf Nurkic is back. Zach Collins is back. I see the Blazers as a top 12 team in the NBA right now. It's just a matter of can they piece it together enough to become the eight seed. I don't know that they necessarily challenge the Lakers, but they could steal a couple games. Yeah, they need a couple more wins, maybe three, but they should be the Nuggets tonight with the Nuggets resting. Obviously, the Nuggets are so good. They still have Jokic. The Blazers going to win tonight. Their last game is against Brooklyn. You can pick up a win there because Brooklyn doesn't have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, or anybody else in the city of New York. Um, that's two wins right there, and you can figure out another one. So Blazers are looking really good. They're by far the head. I don't know. It's up in the air, but they got probably a 55% chance to make the playoffs at this point. Yeah, it's, this is a good Trailblazers team that, uh, injuries aside, they're, they're probably a top-five team in the West without dealing with those injuries. Now the San Antonio Spurs. This is a team that I really thought we could stick the fork in the Spurs, and apparently they might be good at basketball again. Two and two in the yeah. bubble. They've got a four-guard lineup that is insane. This, this four-guard lineup that they're using – We'll talk about it more when we preview the Jazz Spurs game for tomorrow. But DeJounte Murray, Derek White, DeMar DeRozan, and Lonnie Walker the fourth. That's a good-looking lineup. And they get out and run. They get up and down the floor. They pressure the ball. They've been tough in this bubble. Man, they were down 20 to 76. Just came roaring back, took the lead, and then just let it slip away at the end. That's going to be one that haunts them when they miss the playoffs. And then even yesterday against the Nuggets, they were up. Five ten points for most of the third quarter. Got close in the fourth, and then the Nuggets haven't lost a close game I've ever watched. Um, I don't know how they do it, but frustrating two and two after a really good two and zero start. They need to win bad tomorrow against the Utah. I'll say Jazz, but that's not really who we are. Um, the stars are coming out. Yeah, we'll know with Utah stars. Now, but yeah, the Spurs need to win tomorrow to keep their playoff hopes moving, and they look really good. All right, now we move to a couple disappointing teams at the bottom of the West. The Kings, they sit at 1-3 and three so far in the bubble. De'Aaron Fox looks good. Bogdanovich looks good. Buddy Heald has been disappointing. There's talk that he, he only, might even be out of shape right now. But he only it, played 10 minutes today, 15 minutes today. Yeah, he's not getting a lot of run. And the Kings were a team that Marvin Bagley suffered another injury during the, the practices leading up to the restart. And so you could kind of just throw the Kings away before the restart even got up and running. But it's it sucks because a guy like De'Aaron Fox is so much fun to watch. I love at least four or five players on this Kings roster. And for whatever reason, Luke Walton, I'm looking at you. Well, and Vlade Divac. They, they haven't been able to put it together in spite of all the young talent they've got. Yeah, they obviously should have drafted Luke up, but... Um... The Kings are in a weird position. Because of the Grizzlies' free fall, they're not out of it. Um, they have the Nets tomorrow afternoon. They start the game against the Pelicans, and they finish up with a probably resting Lakers. It's been bad the first half, but if they can go 3-1 in the second half, they might be able to slip into a play-in. This is wide open in the West because of the free fall by the Grizzlies. But do they really have an opportunity to win the games necessary? Um... An opportunity, yeah. They need to beat the Nets and Pelicans and probably still the Rockets or Lakers. They need to get to three and one. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. But if, it, as a, if I'm a Kings fan, I'm totally talking myself into we still have a chance. Hey, why not? And now the Pelicans, another disappointing team. They're also one and three in the bubble. The Jazz beat them in the first game. And 
the Jazz stole a game against the Pelicans, and the Pelicans haven't looked as good as they did that opening night since. Zion's not playing in crunch time. He's on a 15-minute restriction right now. And what's really standing out to me with the Pelicans is they don't even – they're not playing like they want to make the playoffs. I'm not seeing any urgency from this team. Their defense is off with 49 points for the Kings this morning in the first quarter. Finished at 140 to 125. Um, it's like they're just lacking a leader. Drew Holiday, Derek Favors, J.D. Redick haven't really grabbed that leader threshold. Brandon Ingram's kind of in the middle, and then you have the young guys. It's, there seems to be not locker room problems, but just something missing in the locker room. Yes. No, Jimmy Butler personality would do good with the Pelicans. Um, they have a super, super, super easy last four games. So, again, if they can go 3-1, 4 0 flip the switch, they're still right there. They're only a game and a half back of the Blazers for that ninth seed. So, there's still hope as awful as it's been. I, I saw on Twitter earlier today, Tony Jones was reaching out to a Pelicans fan. He, he, Pelicans fan, it just says, we're going to make the playoffs this year. I still believe. And, and Tony reached out and just said, hey, I'm here for you, fam. I understand. My DMs are always open if you need to talk. And uh, thought that, that was a great interaction from Tony. His tweets are funny. He's a uh, their minds over there in New Orleans. Yeah. So. And then the last team in the West – Probably the biggest surprise of the bubble. We mentioned the Pacers Ooh. earlier. The Phoenix Suns, 4-0. and This is another team I know that you love, McCade, so take this one. Man, Devin Booker is like absolutely amazing. Ricky Rubio is shooting like 50-60% from three. Like, has like been like a plus 10, plus 20 in every game. Um, they were down 10 today and went on a 20-0 run with uh, Ricky Rubio leading the charge mostly. Like, just, just playing out of their mind. They're flipping a switch. Mikel Bridges looks good. Something's going on there. It's too little, too late this year. They probably need to still go two, three and one or four and zero to get into a play in. But hey, they won the first four. Got to start there. Um, but they look awesome. All I have to say about the Suns is they looked really good in the first ten games of the season too, and then we found out what the Suns were, and that's why they're at the bottom well, that- of this list. No, they just kind of had, you know, if DeAndre Aiden gets suspended for 25 games, it just put a fork in the road that wasn't ideal heading into your second game this season. So we'll see what happens next year. We'll see if they make a run this year, but it's still too late to have any impact on the NBA season this year. Yeah, it is. But I'll tell you, Devin Booker looks awfully good. That game winner over Kawhi and Paul George was something to behold. Yeah, they're getting it figured out. All right, McCade. So that does it for the bubble. We've covered every team, some at more length than others. One word answer. Who makes the playoffs and plays the Lakers? Trailblazers. That's where I'm going as well. It took me a minute, though. I really had to look at these, but I just, that Trailblazers team is too good to miss the playoffs against who who they're going to be playing coming up. Though they do have a very difficult schedule remaining. The Jazz have one of the easiest. The Trailblazers have one of the most difficult, but... I've got confidence in Dame, man. Dame Lillard is incredible. So we'll take a quick break. Thanks for listening to Home Court Press. 
Thanks for tuning in today. Home Court Press can be found on kbear.com. Just go to kbear.com forward slash home court press. We can also be found on any of your major podcatchers. And remember to listen, share, rate, and review so more people have an opportunity to listen. Lastly, give McCade Pearson a follow on Twitter at McCadep8. That's M-C-C-A-D-E-P-8. And you can find me, Brian Priest, on Twitter at bpriest24. That's B-P-R-E-E-C-E 24. As always, thanks for listening to Home Court Press, and now back to the show. Welcome back to Home Court Press. This is your host, Brian Priest. As always, we're joined by Mr. Flint and Steel, McCade Pearson. What's up, man? Not much. Basketball's full swing. We just got done taking a look around the NBA, every team in the bubble, and now we're talking Utah Jazz. They're two wins. They beat the Pelicans in the first game of the restart, and Frankly, we've said it a lot, but that game was stolen. The Jazz didn't deserve to win that game, but it's the NBA, it's professional sports, and every once in a while, uh, good teams are going to win games that they shouldn't have. No complaints. Win the win. Exactly. And then the Grizzlies in their most recent game, it was an early struggle, but the Jazz came into that game as the second worst three-point shooting team by percentage in the NBA after being the second best in the regular season. The shooting finally came. It finally showed up. Joe Ingles hit six threes. Conley, I think, had four. Royce O'Neal had three. There were 16 three-pointers from the starters alone, and it was great to watch. It was a lot of fun. There was It was still a closer game at the end than you would hope, but again, the Jazz get the victory, and that's really what's important right now. And then there are two losses. So the Lakers game, honestly, I think that was probably the Jazz' best-played game, save for about a six to eight minute stretch at the end of the third quarter beginning of the fourth quarter they lost but you felt like the jazz could put enough talent on the floor to compete and maybe win a first round playoff series watching that game did you feel any differently yeah after the ugly thunder game which we'll talk about in a second it felt like progress we could see good things happening and outside of a rough start to the grizzlies game we did use those good things to jump into a win against the grizzlies I don't want to talk about this Thunder game necessarily, but we're forced to mention it as a Jazz podcast. The Jazz were outplayed in absolutely every facet of basketball. It was worrisome. Came out of this game and you wonder if they're ever going to win again, and obviously that's the the overreaction of the fan in me, but it exposed a lot of weaknesses that the Jazz have dealt with all season and just have been unable to fix. And at this point, if you haven't fixed it, it's because you can't fix it. Yeah, and, you know, they did end up winning another game in that season, so that's good. Uh, we're still tied with the Thunder in terms of magic number, elimination numbers. So it wasn't as devastating as it was in the moment, but you still wish you had that one back, or at least it looked better. Um, at this point, though, you just put behind you and keep moving forward, and that was last week, so got to focus on this week. Well, let's move forward. Let's look at tomorrow morning's game, an 11 a.m. tip-off. Again, this is March Madness in August. It's it's the greatest thing in the world. McCaid, you can sleep in and wake up to a brand new jazz game. How about that? I love it. It's like summer league. I go to Vegas, <laughs> I sleep until 10, wake up, go watch 10 hours of basketball, go back to the hotel, go to bed. At least until I turn 21, and then it was a little different. But I love watching basketball all day. I love these early games. And I love these morning games because it gives me a chance to reflect after the game. If they lose, I have time to like calm down before I go to bed. And if they win, I can analyze it the whole day before I get tired. <laughs> all right, so let me ask you this question, McCade. Did your excitement dissipate at all once you saw the injury report come out this afternoon? <laughs> let me be very clear. I hate it. I'm annoyed. I think it's going to come back to bite the jazz in the butt. However, 
It does not affect my excitement at all. As I just mentioned 30 seconds ago, I love Summer League, so I don't really care who plays for the Jazz. If it says Jazz on the front of the jersey, I'm cheering for them with all my heart. All right, so Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Royce O'Neal, and Rudy Gobert. If you also want to throw in Bojan Bogdanovic, the entire Nigel starting five is gone. And Nigel williams Goss. I wasn't going to count him. I guess we could throw his hey, name in there. Johnny Boyan, you got to count him. <laughs> but yeah, the entire starting five is going to be missing tomorrow's game. The only current starter that is available is Joe Ingles. This is going to be an opportunity for the for Jazz fans to see what the end of the bench is. Is Jarrell Brantley going to be a potential NBA guy? Is Juwan Morgan somebody who deserves more minutes in the restart? Is Jordan Clarkson going to shoot the ball 40 times? There's a lot is of questions Jordan we have. Is Jordan Clarkson going to join the list we talked about the other day of random players to score 50 points? He just might. <laughs> I mean, Grayson Allen scored 40 last year. It should be good for the bench to get some minutes. Um, I do like the Joe's playing only for his game st- played streak. Obviously, that's why he's playing. He's very powerful about that. But it is good to have a level-headed starter to help the bench you know, get up and running because the bench has only been those four players, so you do need a fifth. And rather than bring up one of the defense guys, it's good for Joe to be there to begin. So, McKay, we were talking about this injury report, and you said briefly that you don't like that they're doing this. You feel like it's going to come back to bite them on the back end. And and obviously there's a concern with that, but I try and try to look at it with a glass half full perspective. This is the one back to back the Jazz are going to be playing tomorrow against the Spurs, and then they play on Saturday afternoon against the Nuggets. So glass half full, I'm saying to myself, hey, maybe Quinn thinks they have a chance to beat this Spurs team in spite of how good they've looked so far in the restart. And then we've got everybody fresh and healthy for Saturday against the Nuggets, an in-division game, a game that's going to be played to decide a tiebreaker. That Nuggets game is gigantic. That's not to downplay what we're doing against the Spurs. We could still beat the Spurs. It's possible, but when I look at compare the two opponents, I'd rather have everybody healthy and available for the Nuggets game. Yeah, the Nuggets is a measuring stick of where you are between, because we didn't play the Rockets, the Thunder we got blown by, but that was at the very beginning. The Nuggets is going to be that measuring stick going to the playoffs of where we are compared to two to six in the West. Um, so you don't got to win that game. Honestly, I'm not that against resting the guys if the Nuggets beat the Blazers tonight. But if the Blazers beat the Nuggets tonight, then maybe the Spurs all of a sudden you're right there with the Nuggets uh, fighting for the division title. So I wish they kind of would have waited until tomorrow morning to see that. I don't think this kills um, the odds of us winning tomorrow as much as people think. I thought we were probably 60 to 70% chance to win, and now we're going to be 35 to 45%. But this is still NBA players playing basketball. The difference between the best player in the world and the 450th best player in the world is not as big as many casual fans would believe. If you're in the NBA, you're pretty damn good at basketball. These are going to be NBA players. The Jazz will compete tomorrow. Obviously, they're not going to be favored like they would have been but I don't expect the Jazz to roll over and take a loss tomorrow. No, I definitely don't expect him to roll over. This is a Spurs team that LaMarcus Aldridge opted out. He's choosing not to play during the restart. But they've got a, a four-guard lineup that's been really tough, especially in transition on both ends of the floor. DeJounte Murray, Derek White, DeMar DeRozan, and Lonnie Walker IV. DeRozan's obviously a former All-Star, still playing at a really high level, and not just their athleticism and quickness, which is one of the issues the Jazz had against the Thunder, but that's an awful lot of mid-range shooters, which is exactly where the Jazz defense tries to force teams. And against good mid-range shooting squads, 
the Jazz defense seems to struggle a little bit more. Yeah, I'm really excited for the uh, Tony Bradley Jakob Pertl matchup specifically. So Jakob Pertl's been four years now in the NBA. He's a restricted free agent this summer, and he's going to get a weird contract because he's looked really good off the bench, hasn't played minutes, so he's not going to get a massive deal. And so, kind of in a weird way, I think looking at what he gets this summer could give the Jazz an idea of what Bradley might get next summer, especially if, heaven forbid, Rudy misses 5, 10, 15 games next year and Bradley is a starter for 15 games. Just kind of future evaluation, that that value there. Um, so I'm really excited to see that matchup with the Noah Marcus Aldridge. I'm excited to see Emmanuel Mudiay get some stress-free run. He hasn't looked awesome, but they're not going to bench him tomorrow. It's a good opportunity for the Jazz to get up and running with the bench because that is our issue right now. That is what needs to be fixed, and they're going to get 30 minutes to solve those problems tomorrow. You know, McCade, I think you unintentionally just named this episode. I couldn't help but step away from the mic while I laughed at the I'm really excited for the Tony Bradley-Jakob Pertle matchup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, ramping up for the playoffs. Ooh. ooh. Yeah. Hey, we got the Utah Jazz versus Utah U. What's it? All right, I think that does it for the Spurs. So let's talk about the Nuggets really quick. The Nuggets are a team that had, they've really been up and down so far in the restart. We talked about them a bit. They're 2-2. Two and two. A lot of injuries. Jamal Murray questionable tonight against the Blazers. Paul Millsap is missing the game for rest. They're also missing Will Barton and Gary Harris. So their entire starting backcourt is out, and they've, they've missed this whole restart. On the other hand, they still have Nikola Jokic, who just might be the best center in the NBA right now. Yeah, he's been awesome. Um, and it's a fun, fun matchup with him and Rudy because they're just completely different players, but both each other some issues. Super fun, exciting game. As I said, we'll have to wait and see how much it matters. If the Nuggets win tonight and the Jazz lose tomorrow, it doesn't matter that much. If it goes the other way, it matters a ton. If it splits, it matters a little bit. This Nuggets matchup is something that I'm looking forward to because I think it'll give the Jazz a, another chance to get their shooting back on track. I look at the points allowed by the Nuggets so far in the restart. 113 against the Mavericks, 125 against the Heat. Both of those were losses. And then in wins, they allowed 113 to the Thunder and 126 to the Spurs. Wow. Yeah, the Jazz offense, if rolling correctly, should be able to pick apart. Jokic is a lot better defender than people think. But that's just because he's a big body and he's really smart. He knows where he shows a long way in this league. But the Jazz blender offense really gives him trouble. And then the other guy I wanted to bring up with this Nuggets team, at least the one that's been playing, is Michael Porter Jr., He's got two consecutive 30-point games, 37 in one game, 30 and 15 in the other game. He's looking really good on one end of the floor. He's a work in progress, but is he ready to play 20 this banger playoffs? I'm not sure. If he's not your team in office as far, maybe. But not going to come play 25, 30 minutes at this point. He doesn't have that trust with Mike Moon quite yet. This is just kind of a side note about the Nuggets, but talking about the franchise as a whole, look at the league. And look how many players around the league, productive and or stars, were drafted by the Nuggets. Obviously with the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. You've got, on the, on the current Nuggets roster, Nikola Jokic was a second-round pick. Michael Porter Jr. fell to them. He was the number one ranked recruit coming out of high school. And because of some back injuries, he fell to, what, 14? And then they've got, Bowl they've Bowl. found, Bowl Bowl is another guy that was a projected lottery pick before a foot injury. 
Uh, let me look at the rest of their roster here. Jamal Yusuf Roster might have been their highest drafted player. Was it Yusuf Nurkic drafted by them? Yusuf Nurkic. They him off to Portland? Yusuf Nurkic was drafted by the Nuggets, and they they couldn't get Nurkic and Jokic to work together, which the way Jokic plays, I don't know why those two couldn't occupy the floor at the same time. But, it, I mean, it's just wild looking at this. They've got Jeremy Grant on the roster. I talked about Gary Harris, a late first-round pick. They've got Paul Millsap, who still at 35 years old is one of the best on-off players in the NBA. Oh, he's so important to their team. Yeah, he's huge. And that's why I think tonight as they play the Trailblazers, missing Millsap is going to have a definite impact, and probably more so than missing their starting backcourt. So yeah, it's a, it's a big game for the Jazz. Um, see where they are, especially if that's the matchup the Jazz are going for. Kind of the speculation right now is, hey, the Jazz want to stay at six and hope Denver's at three and go from there, which I would love to watch Gobert and Jokic for seven games. That'd just be super fun. But it's a big evaluation game for the Jazz. So before we wrap this up, let me ask you a question. If the Jazz can somehow, with the depleted roster, beat the Spurs tomorrow morning, beat the Nuggets on Saturday, do they assure themselves of a top four seed in the West at that point? Maybe not mathematically, but just um, logically. So at that point, you'd need you take care of the Mavericks. Magic number there is two, right? You beat the Mavericks next week. That's one win for you, one loss for them. You're done. Yeah. But if you can get these two wins over the next 36, 48 hours, you only need three more to stay ahead of the Rockets and three more to stay ahead of the Thunder. Jazz can obviously take care of one or two of those on their own. And you just hope the Rockets are one or two on their own. So, yeah, Jazz can win these next two. They are in strong position to not only finish at number four, but really give the Nuggets a run for their money for number three. We'll get your division championship banner and having Jazz fans on those video boards for four out of seven games. What an advantage. Hey, I'll be there. <laughs> now, um, the Nuggets have a weird finishing schedule, so they go Portland today, which is on back-to-back they played yesterday, and then the Utah game. Then their last three are Lakers, Clippers, and Raptors. Um, Raptors have nothing to play for. The Lakers have nothing to play for. So we'll see exactly how heavy those are. But I know what happens with the Clippers. That game's either be for the two seed or be meaningless. So Nuggets have a weird schedule to wrap up, but on paper it's really tough. So what you're saying is when we're talking about the West – there's not really anything more decided besides the Lakers clinching the one seed, which was basically a formality coming in. Everything else is still up in the air, the same oh, as it was a week ago. Also so fun. If the Mavericks fall to the Clippers, uh, that game's involved in the third quarter now, then the Mavericks will pretty much lock into seven. But outside of the, yeah, the Mavericks at seven, it's wide open, and it's going to be a crazy, crazy fun week. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's been a lot of fun having basketball back. I didn't quite realize how much I've missed it. It's great watching the Jazz win or lose, and it's just fun to sit in front of a TV and watch sports that I don't know what the outcome is. It's so fun to have the opportunity to be excited for a Jakob Bernal-Tony Bradley matchup. (laughs) You can laugh that all you want, but it is super fun to have that opportunity at least. All right, you heard it here first. Jakob Pertl, Tony Bradley, an all-star preview for the next decade. All right, man, where can I find you on social media? Send me up at McCabe-P8, which means I get to throw out more fun stuff that people have to ask me. You put that in straight number for me, and then I will, of course, because I'm a nice person. But hit me up, and I'll be happy to talk basketball with you about anything you're choosing. Always a good follow on Twitter, and then you can find me, Brian Priest, 
at B-P-R-E-E-C-E-24. That's B-Priest24. And you've been listening to Home Court Press. Have a great weekend. Go Jazz. 